This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, May 30th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. When college students speak up for their right to speak up on campus, they often paint a target on their backs, one that might well follow them beyond their school days. Speech First is a group that aims to allow students to assert their rights without having to be, as President Nicole Neely puts it, that person. Their latest suit is against the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign over several policies that restrain, deter, suppress, and punish speech on campus. I think the deck is stacked against students who want to bring a case against their school, period. Even if you realize there's a problem, even if you realize your civil liberties are being violated, which... To be fair, most students don't even realize that. But if they do, it, it is um, the deck is stacked against them because students don't want to be that person. If you're that person who files a complaint, you're the named plaintiff in a lawsuit, Caleb Brown versus University of Kentucky, um, you know you will be ostracized. It's a very by likely your... lawsuit, by the way, <laughs> for no reason. You know you will be ostracized by your peers. You will be singled up by your professors. Um, and those, those will kind of be the obvious ones. But What opportunities will you miss out on? Will you be denied a scholarship? Will you not um, get accepted into a study abroad program? Um, You're that troublemaker. And then, I mean, there's just the issue of you. People will Google you and they'll see that in the future. So, um, you know, do they want to hire you? And so I think when a lot of students, if they know there's a problem, they think, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And I'm just going to get through this four-year period. Um, And unfortunately, you know, you look at the cost of college these days. Fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, including room and board. That's a lot of money to pay to not ask the questions you want, write the papers you believe in, invite the speakers you want, or join the clubs you want because you fear retribution. And even if you are that person, you graduate eventually. Exactly, um, and that's what something that schools have started to figure out is that there's a standing issue. If a student graduates, is kicked out, is thrown out, um, then the courts say that the harm has gone away, and the issue is. The issue is moot, and um, the court the courts will throw the case out. And so um, even if a student figures out what's going on, they're almost always a junior or senior, and then they're not around for very long. And schools have figured that out, and what they do is they run the clock out. They will delay. They will appeal. They will drag their feet, um, and then students will graduate. And that's why what we do is speech first. Um, we're able we're structured in a way that as long as we always have a member who is enrolled at the school, um, our harm is ongoing. And so the schools are not able to run the clock out on our cases. As you note uh, or have noted before we started recording, the support for the First Amendment as a broadly – a broad principle as a constitutional requirement at especially at public universities in the United States among professors, it's not as strong as we would hope. Among professors, among students – um, yeah, and I think there's a number of reasons for that. Um, I think this, the start, this is not a problem that starts with 18-year-olds when they get to college. I think their civics education going into this is very weak. Um, and so students don't realize or appreciate what the First Amendment is, how beautiful free speech is, and how it's helped disenfranchised people and groups throughout history get their point out. I mean, you think about issues from um, suffragists to abolitionists. Um, their views were considered hateful, were unwelcome. But they were able to persuade others through speaking, through writing. And when we see students now shutting down views that they disagree with, they lose that beautiful history. And that's really sad. So strategically, uh, your organization becomes the plaintiff 
among and uh, representing the members of your organization. How does that work? Sure. And so, yeah, we are a membership organization. So we file our cases as speech first versus the school instead of being Caleb Brown versus a school. That means I get the hate mail, not them. We're able to protect the students' anonymity because, frankly, they don't want to be that person. And then again, it helps us with the standing in that our cases can go on for a longer time horizon. Since you started this organization fairly recently, um, what have been the fat targets as far as uh, you've seen them so far? Sure. We have filed two lawsuits to date in federal court. We sued the University of Michigan in May 2018 and University of Texas in December 2018. They're both public universities. Um, Public universities are state actors. They're bound to uphold the First Amendment. And we believe that they have policies in the books that are substantially chilling student speech and expression. They have policies that are designed to deter, suppress, and discourage students from expressing themselves on issues of the day political speech, religious speech. And unfortunately, they're not able to do that. They shouldn't be, and we want them to stop picking winners and losers. Okay, so for a college student who may be listening, um, and perhaps they do or they may not have some issue at their university, what's the quickest way for them to uh, get involved or become aware of what's going on in their school or other schools? Sure. I mean, there are a ton of good groups out there. And that's, that's the sad thing is I would like to work myself out of a job. Um, but there are great groups out there like FIRE, like Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, Speech First is pretty new, as you alluded to, um, that keep an eye on what's going on on campus. Um, we pay attention to what's going on in the news cycle. But I largely hear about cases from my members. Um, my students will contact me and they'll say, hey, this happened to be on campus. What do you think about this? What can we do about it? And we want to help them end up with the resolution they want. It's not always going to court. I mean, I am married to a lawyer. I work with lawyers. um, And I don't think going to court is always the solution. If you just want your student group to be able to exist on campus, to um, be able to table, to bring a speaker to campus, swinging with the federal lawsuit is probably not the best way to make the school want to work with you. Um, But what are kind of the intermediate steps we can take to get you there? If it's a private university, a federal lawsuit is not necessarily, you know, you you can't go that route. Is it um, pressure through alumni? Is it working through the press? Is it just sending a letter to the school and reminding them of their obligations and that you promised the set of rights that you're not upholding? Um, and when, if we need to, um, we can sue, and, and we do. So who have you sued so far, and how have those been resolved so far? Sure. We sued the University of Michigan and the University of Texas. Um, the University of Michigan is currently before the Sixth Circuit. Um, we had an hearing in that case on May 2nd. And the University of Texas case, um, we asked for a preliminary injunction. And that is currently before the district court. And so we will hopefully hear hear from them pretty soon. You have another suit that you have just filed. Uh, what is the what are the terms of that one? Sure. So that um, our latest case is against the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, which is my alma mater. Um, And we, again, allege that this school has substantially chilled student speech and expression through four bad policies they have on their books. Um, The first is they have a prior approval process for political flyering related to non-campus elections. So you think mayor, president, um, local congressman. You have to have those flyers approved by the administration. Um, They have a bias assessment response team. Um, Bias response teams are... uh, increasingly common tool used what by is universities. That? What is that? Bias response teams are um, a system where students can report speech of their fellow classmates or sometimes of professors or staff 
um, usually through, and University of Illinois has it, as does University of Michigan, University of Texas, an online portal where you can actually report this. You can do so anonymously, and it can be speech um, or actions that have taken place on campus, off campus, online, in another city, if you were maybe on spring break or doing a study abroad program. Um, and so um, it's it's pretty creepy. It's, um, you know, it's it's fairly Orwellian. And, and how have they been applied? Um, the University of Illinois has an extremely exhaustive annual report that they put out every year of the different incidents that they classify as bias incidents that take place on or off campus. Um, so it's anything from students expressing support for their former mascot, Chief Alinewek, up through to um, support for the state of Israel, opposition to the state of Israel, um, issues of marriage, issues of gender. Um, these are all classified as as incidents of hate. And I think that, frankly, is a public choice issue because it's in these administrators' best interest to say, look, the incidents of hate have gone up year over year. We need more staff. We need more programming. We need more money. And that's actually what's happened. You look at um, reports from 2014, 2015. It's gone up. It's almost doubled in five years. Um, and so, yeah, they need they are doing a lot more programming. Um, and they're looking at incidents. Sadly, I mean, because a lot of the incidents that they're looking at are speech related, you might not like it, but you can't you can't prevent it and you can't try and discourage. And I think, frankly, it's impossible to have a system where students anonymously report speech of their fellow classmates and not chill speech. If you can get in trouble for pretty much anything at any time, out of an abundance of caution, most students will not. Because what happens after you've been reported, let's say I anonymously report you, you will get an email from the dean of students. You will be asked to come in for a meeting. And some schools say that this is a voluntary process. I think, frankly, that ignores the power dynamic between a student and their administration. If you get an email from the dean of students saying, come in, I think very few students will have the wherewithal to say, you know what, is this voluntary? I don't think so. Because what's going to happen to you? I mean, there is the seen and there is the unseen. Um, what ways will this go on your record? Will this, um, you know, will this be held against you in some future iteration of your, of your life on campus? And so students are scared. And so they just, they just don't speak. So to the extent that students aren't speaking, but they would like an advocate, what what do they have to do to um, join your organization? Sure. It's very easy. They can go to our website, speechfirst.org. Um, there is a box where they can send us a note. They don't even have to be a member to join. We're happy to take phone calls, take their emails, um, and figure out what's going on and if that's the, you know, how, how we can help them to express themselves. Because there are student groups, right, that go out and they want to provoke a fight. They want to get on the news. They want to have a great law school admission essay. Um, those are not necessarily the students that I am looking for. The ones I'm looking for are ones who have closely held beliefs that they are scared they will be persecuted for. If you want to talk about a religious or a political issue and you believe that your, sco your school will discipline you for that, that's unacceptable. Nicole Neely is president and founder of Speech First. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 